Music for the message on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide, KFUO.org. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO Radio. We're on AM850 here in the St. Louis region. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back St. Peter of St. Peter's Hook and Crook, your St. Louis headquarters for all your fishing and shepherding supplies. And for a limited time, your your headquarters for the best potato salad to be found anywhere in the area. Oh, yeah. I can second that last statement. I tasted it, and it is the best I've ever had. But let's get back to our topic, okay, Peter? The last two weeks, you've been discussing the meaning of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Yes, or, or as they say in the German, the Vosses Das of the miracle. Uh, the feeding of the 5,000 is unique amongst the miracles of Jesus and that all four gospel writers record the story. But it's also unique in that it is the one miracle where Jesus explains the meaning behind the wonder. And also you mentioned it's a miracle in which you were personally involved. Uh, yes, it is, Gary. As a consequence of this miracle... I said one of the wisest things I ever said in my life. But you also said the miracle involved one of the most foolish things you ever thought. You, you just won't forget the foolish part, will you, Gary? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just trying to be fair and balanced, just like, uh, what is it, one of the news channels, you know, fair well, and balanced. Well, well, you know, Mr. Fair and Balanced, maybe I should use your picture in promoting our latest potato salad products. You, you know, the more I think of it, it potato head Gary's potato salad does have kind of a ring to it. And you did say on air that my potato salad was a favorite of yours. <laughs> All right. I, I'll, I'll quit bringing up your foolishness if you won't involve me with uh, any celebrity status or any endorsements for your potato salad. All right. It, it's a deal, Gary. It's a good deal. <laughs> okay. Now, now that we've got that settled, there is one concern I would like to address. Well, what's that, Gary? Well, you say you want to talk about the meaning of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, but after two weeks, you've only talked about what it doesn't mean. Oh, well, you're right there, Gary. But sometimes by talking about the negative, we begin to bring into focus the positive. Okay, so what is the positive here? What is the meaning of the miracle? Well, as we said, the crowd thought the miracle meant Jesus was going to miraculously provide for all their earthly needs. That I understand. They wanted to make him their bread king. But what Jesus was trying to show them by this miracle, and all his miracles, was that he was the almighty son of God. Now, now as God's son, he would provide for their daily bread, but he came to do so much more. Jesus said he not come just to provide the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life. And if you listen carefully to Jesus' words in John chapter 6, he tells us that he himself is that food. As he says in verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He makes the same point two verses later. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Oh, good point, Gary. And in that, that verse, it, it plainly shows the meaning of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. 
The meaning is simply that we should have faith in Jesus. Believe in me, he says. And also, in his explanation of this miracle, Jesus teaches us something very important about that faith. And what is that, Peter? Well, read, if you would, Gary, a few selected verses from John chapter 6. Give me the reference, and I'll be the lector. All right. Um, Start with the verses immediately following what we just read about believing in Jesus. Okay. So that's John 6, verses 36 through 37. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. All right, and read as well verses uh, 43 through 44. Okay. And Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. What is the significance of these verses, Peter? Well, for one thing, Jesus says the Jews are having trouble believing in him. Okay, right. They've seen his miracles and they don't believe. Instead of believing Jesus, they're grumbling about him. But still, what's the point? Well, the point is, in these same words, Jesus is subtly showing them why they are having trouble believing in him. I'm sorry, um, why are they having trouble believing in him? Because they think, like like many do even today, that faith is something they must do, uh, that faith is a work they must perform. Uh, but all along, Jesus has made it perfectly clear, faith is just like the fish in the loaves they ate in the plains. These things were blessings their Father in heaven gave them without any work on their part. Now the Father would give them a greater gift, bread from heaven that would give them eternal life. As Jesus says, faith is not our choice, but but rather the Father's choice. As Jesus plainly says, believers are not those who come to Jesus on their own, but those whom the Father draws near to Jesus, those the Father gives to Jesus. I think I see your point. Jesus says the same thing in the next verse as well, John 6.45. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. It's clear that believing in Jesus is not something we do, but something the Father does for us. He teaches us, and he brings us Jesus. The crowd's problem is that they wanted to believe in Jesus by their own reason and strength. But it just doesn't work that way. Uh, For example, read what happens in verses 41 to 42 of of John chapter 6. Okay, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, it's not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How does he now say he has come down from heaven? Can you see there, Gary? They're trying to grasp Jesus by their reason, but it just doesn't work. I mean, nothing he says is reasonable. To be fair, uh, this is not only true of the crowd that day. It's true of all people of all ages. Well, I'll read, if you would, uh, let me think, the story of God's people in the Old Testament, Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. Oh, you got me going all over the place here in the Bible <laughs> I, uh, Don't get any paper cuts there. <laughs> yeah, Gary. I'll Be do careful. it real quick, as quick as I can. Okay. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt— 
When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, if you think about it, their complaint there is, is very reasonable. I mean, after all, they find themselves in a wilderness where there is no food to eat and no water to drink. Wouldn't the logical deduction be that God has brought them here to kill the whole assembly with hunger, as they say? Their conclusion is, is very reasonable, but also very wrong. It's interesting, Peter, that in both stories, the Bible talks about the people grumbling. A good observation, Gary. And I do believe grumbling is a word that means to doubt or, or question the Lord. But even more interesting is the Father's response to this grumbling. In both cases, the Father's response is just to feed them. In the Old Testament, he fed them with manna and quail. In the New, with bread and fish. But more importantly, in both Testaments, God feeds them with his word. Which, of course, makes perfect sense. As God says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Oh, you do know your scripture as well, Gary. But let me be the devil's advocate here, okay, Peter? I can see where both the Old Testament and the New Testament crowds were unable to believe in Jesus by their own reason or strength. But then again, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, as they say. You know, the Old Testament people heard God's command to not have any other gods before him. And the first thing they did was to make a golden calf and worship it. And likewise, many of this New Testament crowd who so willingly followed him would later turn back and no longer worship walk with him. My point is, maybe people like this cannot believe by their own reason or strength, but maybe good, faithful, loyal followers like yourself could. In fact, as I read on in the next text, you do. You stay faithful to Jesus when the others left. So maybe some people who have significant dedication and commitment can believe in Jesus by their own reason or strength. <laughs> oh, you, you know, Gary, you are getting very close to my own foolish thought. <laughs> but we'll save that for next week. For now, I would like to share with you one last Old Testament story. Read, if you would, the story of the prophet Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. Okay. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of the one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under the broom tree. And he asked if he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now you see, Gary, here is a man who has everything you just described. A man dedicated and committed to the Lord. A man who not only witnessed wonders, but performed them himself. A man who bravely faced and defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. And yet this same man, when left to his own reason and strength, was as full of fear and doubt as anyone else. Indeed, he says there at the end, he's no better than those grumbling fathers we just read about in Exodus. I think I'm beginning to see your point, Peter. 
You know, it's interesting that what God does for Elijah is the same he did for the others. He simply fed him. Exactly, Gary. You know, the Heavenly Father knows what to do when we are hungry and health. He just feeds us. But first, we, we must know that we need to be fed. We must understand that we, we cannot feed our faith by our own reason or strength. But if we can't have faith by our own reason or strength, then how do we have faith? What is that the Father uses to feed us? Well, we'll answer that question next week in our final look at the feeding of the 5,000. And by the way, the answer to that question is one of the wisest things I ever said. Yes. Yeah, which means also next week we'll we'll also be able to talk about the most foolish thing you ever thought. You know, Gary, <laughs> I, I wonder I wonder what it would cost to have like a Mr. Potato Head made up in your likeness, just looking like you, Gary. We might not only end up with an interesting promotion for potato salad, but also a popular child's toy for Christmas. Okay, I, I, get, I get it. I get your point. But next week we look forward to hearing your personal involvement with the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So thanks so much, Peter, for being on the program today. We are the messenger of good news, AM850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org, proclaiming Christ for you in word and song.